I'm Brian McPherson, and this is the Athena Health Podcast. We're curing complexity to simplify the practice of care. We're producing this podcast to help clinicians and staff better utilize Athena One so that Athena One can best support your patient care. We know you can't provide the best possible patient care if you're not getting paid for the services you provide. But we also know that you didn't get into medicine because you dreamed as a child about correcting and resubmitting denied claims. We aim to support your organization by reducing the work involved in submitting claims to insurance companies as well as collecting payments from patients. Today, we're going to talk about some of the steps you can take to get paid as efficiently and as promptly as possible so you can continue to focus on the patients in your care. Before we begin, don't forget to register for Thrive, Athena Health's annual summit scheduled for October 9th through 11th in Austin, Texas. Thrive is designed to connect you with your peers and to help you transform your day-to-day work experience and the future of your business. We can't wait to see you there. Check out the registration page in the episode notes or by visiting the main landing page of the Success Community. I'm joined now by Michelle Scribner, one of our training architects with years of experience in revenue cycle operations in Athena One. Michelle, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Brian. I want to start with a broad look at what we at Athena Health call co-sourcing. Our goal is to take on as much billing-related work from our customers as we can. But we know many organizations that are joining Athena One can be surprised that we're still regularly sending them billing-related tasks because we can't perform them. How would you describe and define co-sourcing as we use it? Our core sourcing model is unique. We aim to remove administrative burden to allow for medical practice staff to focus on quality of care, patient experience, and by providing services and executing on revenue cycle workflows, we can do that on our customer's behalf. Um, So we utilize information directly available to us without interruption. Um, So if, if we don't have the authority or the insight, that's where the partnership comes in. So we use what we can, and uh, when we need assistance, we reach out. Um, and that's that division of labor, it can sometimes be called instead of co-sourcing. Um, but work is routed to practice responsibility to provide that information when we don't have it. Um, and so we can resolve claim issues and other concerns um, with ease. The patient relationship, however, um, including the outreach and gathering of information, will always remain a practice responsibility as the customers are always in, in that, first, um, that first line of communication with, with, with patients. Just sort of off the top of your head, are there any examples of, you know, classic examples of information that we tend not to have or tend to at least need to ask for? Um, If we get a response from a payer uh, around patient demographic information, um, a patient history, or a health concern that we don't have exact information for, we'll reach out and have the practice contact the patient to get that, that information to make sure it's as accurate as possible. That makes sense. So I know smooth revenue cycle operations start with proper setup. So when customers are either onboarding as an organization with Athena One or adding a new clinician, what are some of those critical steps to make sure they're enrolled with the right payers? So I think the the most critical step is really um, making sure that any contracting and credentialing information is up to date, right? So Athena Health is not able to speak to a provider's qualification or their licensing. Um, so it's important that we have all that information and we can't get it anywhere from a pre- except for a practice, right? Um, so I recommend using all the tools within Athena One to provide that available um, credentialing information. And that really kicks off the whole entire process to making sure that setup is, is complete and thorough. Um, and, you know, you can start with doing um, 
get, supplying the information for the payers that were previously billed uh, before using Athena One, and that just makes it a little bit easier to, to really get going. Um, when adding a provider, it is best to enter the credentialing status for the payers that have already been set up. Um, all that information is already in the provider pages, um, so it's very easy to just use all that information for that one provider and then expand as necessary. Not all providers are credentialed with the same payers. So then we talk to our customers a lot about enrolling for what we call ERA and EFT. Um, what are the benefits of working those enrollment tasks that they're going to see in Athena One? Great question. Um, so ERA and EFT are direct connections between health insurance payers and Athena Health, and that connection really removes any need for manual work. Um, so ERA is uploaded directly into Athena Health at all times throughout the day. So there's no delays in getting that paper mail um, or processing through, through that system. Um, and EFT is direct to U.S. Bank, and that's visible to Athena Health as well. So we can confirm any deposits or see that bank feed. Um, so that direct connection really removes that, that manual component, which removes errors or the chance for errors, I should say. Um, both do contain trace numbers, so if there's an issue, it makes it easier to, to resolve that issue. Um, and then overall, practice staff doesn't need to spend time and, and effort manually confirming deposits and supplying remittance because it comes straight to us. And so you're saying otherwise things are just coming in the mail? On paper? Yeah, and then they have to watch for it and then they have to upload it and take those necessary manual steps that they may not have time for. So, ideally, when we're talking about the patient experience um, in terms of billing, ideally, a patient comes in for an appointment with an insurance card, pays their copay, then that clinic can bill the insurance through Athena One, get paid promptly. The payment is matched to the patient appointment. That's the ideal scenario. Um, and we see that ideal scenario a lot. Um, what are some of the tips and tricks you'd recommend to? help our practices see that as often as possible. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, we do see that more often than not, um, but we really wanna see those enrollments completed prior to seeing a patient, um, making sure that if insurance is collected from a patient and you don't have that contract or credentialing, it's taken care of before trying to bill that payer so that there's no hiccups there. Um, capturing the insurance card image is huge because that gives us all the exact information for a patient. Um, so that does ensure the correct insurance package is being filled. Um, the eligibility can be checked. Um, so really billing all starts with the patient, right? You, you need to make sure that you capture all of that information uh, and then it can go through the process as intended. The more thorough and complete you are before that claim submission, even including documenting the encounter, will just streamline that back end and reduce the chance for errors and denials. What are the best ways you recommend capturing that insurance card? Uh, actually, scanning an image of that insurance card is going to be really key. Uh, and I know that we have our, our new features that simply allow that. And that really gives us all the information. We can confirm that we have the right one in the system uh, and the patient gets the, uh, the right care based on that insurance package. So once, once the claim has been submitted to insurance, what, is, what happens if we can't match the payment that then comes in from insurance directly to a specific patient encounter? For example, if a patient has had a number of different encounters at a certain practice. Yeah, it does happen. Um, and uh, what would occur is when that payment is received, a remit record, uh, remittance record, or also known as unpostable, uh, is created in the unmatched Athena net charge patient category. Um, Athena will review it first. Um, and if we are not able to determine which data service it goes to or which procedure or charge, um, it will be assigned to the practice to help us out. That's one of those where 
we use the resources available. If we don't have it, we're going to ask for that assistance. Um, and then once the practice takes a look and they're able to review uh, and give us the information, that remit record can come back to us and posting can move forward. So you talked about EFT, electronic funds transfer, as a way for payments to go directly into U.S. Bank to reduce the steps involved in getting payments into bank accounts. I know there are payers who instead use what we call virtual credit cards to pay claims. How do we handle those when things are coming in via virtual credit card rather than EFT? That's a great question because we're seeing it a lot. Um, It's very easy for for payers to do that. But our best practice here at Athena is to request a new payment method. Um, And the reason is because of security reasons, we have to redact that information when it does come into Athena. Um, And it creates a lengthy process by having to call the payer to get that full credit card number in order to then process it. Um, For customers with our credit card processing or CCP functionality, um, a unpostable is created with that reducted credit card information. And then it's matched to remittance when the claim information is available. If there's no claim level information, uh, the record is assigned for the practice to upload the remittance because it probably hasn't come to us. Um, For customers without CCP or credit card processing, um, they will have to call the payer, get the credit card number, process on their external machine, forward that deposit confirmation and the EOB uh, using the submit remittance page to get that information to us. So as you can see, it's a very timely process. Um, And so by just eliminating that payment method can streamline that even more. We do have two courses associated with credit cards. Uh, We have auto processing virtual credit cards, which is an on-demand video. And then we also have credit card processing, identifying and reversing unprocessed unprocessed credit card records. So those could both be helpful if you are not able to change that payment method. So in terms of virtual credit cards and changing the payment method, is it, am I correct in saying that one of the best ways to do this upfront is to enroll in EFT with as many pairs as possible so we're not getting virtual credit cards? Correct. Yes, absolutely. So when a user submits a claim to insurance and it's rejected or denied, what happens in that process? What are the next steps there? Sure. When a payer and or clearinghouse provides remittance indicating that a claim has been either rejected or denied, they use remark codes that indicate the reason why. And so in Athena, we have mapped those remark codes to kit codes, which then route the claim to the appropriate party for review and resolution. Because of the co-sourcing model, that's going to come to Athena Health first to take a look and see if we can make any of the corrections or adjustments. It could be claim formatting. It could be a number of different things, but we're going to correct what we can. Um, and then if necessary, it would move back to the practice if if they have the information or the needs to take care of that. If a document is missing and we don't have access to it in the chart, we're going to look for that assistance. Um, We are aiming uh, to launch a redesigned denial management curriculum this fall. So that's going to all be included in it. I'm really excited about that. So you mentioned kick codes. For those who might be newer to Athena One, can you sort of explain the system of kick codes that we use in terms of communicating about claims? Absolutely. Kick codes route claims based on the next responsible party for resolution. They tell a story, a direction, they supply additional information. They're applied at each step in the claim journey, and they include fixed text of a definition, along with steps for the resolution. Um, It also, within that, um, that note that's associated with the kick code, 
Athena Health can include any information that's gained through research um, and what what really needs what's needed from the customer to move forward. Um, kit codes are used to map those payer mark codes, um, and it allows for claims to be routed. Um, especially with that receipt of remittance. Um, it provides an audit trail. So they do a lot of things, a lot of great things within Athena, and they're very key to, to the success of, a, of processing a claim. Uh, we are building and launching a specific kit code training module soon. So that'll be great for newer uh, customers on Athena One. So one of the keywords billing users will see in Athena One is hold. Specifically, they'll see a work list of claims in hold that our teams aren't able to work without input from the practice how is it that hold work lists work? And then what happens once claims are, are worked out of those work lists? Sure. The hold work list contains claims that are held for review uh, and resolution by practice staff. So as I said, with the co-sourcing model, Athena is going to do everything that they can to resolve a claim on uh, our practice's behalf. Uh, and when we do not have that information, so let's say there's an issue with coordination of benefits for a patient, uh, we're going to put a kit code on the claim that routes it to the hold work list. And that's going to signify to our practice users that there's an action that needs to be done to resolve that error or issue that's holding the claim. Um, it could be patient outreach, again, as I mentioned, to get those appropriate details. It could be looking at historical in insurance information um, and just confirming what needs to be uh, updated. The claims in the work list um, are typically around patient information, demographics, um, or smaller issues uh, within claims. Um, there is also a manager hold work list, is, which carries more of a financial or decision-making component to it. So um, whether to adjust or transfer a balance maybe in that workflow, or that work list, excuse me, um, for a different set of practice users to resolve. And we'll come back to adjusting just a minute, but I wanted to ask about one commonly used kick code that I think people often have questions about is FWR, fully worked receivable. What does that one mean? Fully worked receivables, that's a, a very interesting one. So it's actually a status on a claim indicated with a kick code. Um, and what it implies, what it is showing is an uncollectible balance. Athena Health cannot confirm payment um, or locate the payer remittance. So Athena Health teams have completed reasonable amounts of research and attempts at that resolution. And for whatever reason, we're not getting any moving movement forward on the claim. Um, so the claim is then placed in the status based on what's causing the error uh, with the appropriate FWR prefixed kick code and then it's routed to the, the practice for assistance. Um, the practice can still take action uh, for resolution, complete research, appeal, correct the claim, resubmit it. The FWR only means that Athena Health has completed their work on the impacted claims. No additional follow-up or denial work will be completed. Again, practice users can resubmit, appeal, transfer the balance, so on. Um, we do have an on-demand video available for fully worked receivables, uh, which we are currently turning into an interactive e-learning module to really see how it works in, in real life. I would imagine sometimes that's probably frustrating for practices to see. But on the other hand, I think part of the idea is that we, our teams are working these claims, working these claims, trying to find resolutions. And at a certain point, if it's not happening, they're better, their time is better served working these other claims that can actually get resolved. Is that a fair interpretation? Yes, absolutely. So if a claim doesn't get paid for whatever reason, 
Um, and a practice decides it needs to adjust off the balance. You talked about adjustments earlier um, with that manager hold work list. How do they do that? Yeah, so adjustments can be global, contractual, or any balance that needs to be written off. Um, we're able to adjust a full charge using um, a series of kit codes. We can adjust um, partial charges in a manual uh, method. Um, but navigating to the patient claim, our practice users are going to need to review the patient balance um, within the charges section. They can then add the appropriate kick reason or kick code from the claim edit page. Typically, that's going to be um, bad debt. Um, and always leave a claim note explaining why so that anyone that's reviewing that claim in the future can understand why it was that adjustment was made. Um, and then, of course, clicking on submit will close that claim. Um, if you are adjusting a balance and there's no impact to any bank funds, there's no need to associate a payment batch or a deposit batch, which makes it a lot easier. Um, we do have one e-learning course, uh, CLMS 130 uh, adjustments, as well as a live classroom that really walks through all of those possible uh, workflows associated with adjustments and transfers. So what's the benefit of taking that step of adjusting off a of balance um, you know, I know our data, we have data that shows that after a certain period of time, some of these balances, especially patient balances, are just not likely at all to be collected if they haven't paid by a certain point. But what's the benefit of adjusting rather than just carrying the amount on the books just on that off chance that a, that a patient does wind up paying? Yeah, so the benefit of adjusting uh, is really to eliminate any outstanding balance that will never be collected to prevent the future skewing of financial reporting. Um, so, for example, if a patient is never going to pay due to maybe going bankrupt, um, we're, we're able to signify that by writing off or adjusting that balance and using a custom transaction code. It makes reviewing those adjustments and the reporting easier. The balance is still included on the patient in a patient account and money can still be collected, but if that does not happen, at least it's not skewing those books in the future. So overall, are there any particular tasks that you recommend that users make part of their daily or weekly routines to make sure broadly that they're optimizing payment for their claims? Absolutely. So we do have a tool within uh, Athena One that's called the Day End Review, and that really focuses on capturing missing slips, no-shows, eligibility issues, and by doing that, you're really eliminating that downstream impact on the revenue cycle in the back end. Um, by making sure that all of that information is completed upfront, you can get claims out the door faster. You can make sure that you're charging patients if you do for a, an appointment that doesn't that they don't show for. Um, you can make sure that the right eligibility is recorded. Um, so that's on a daily basis uh, before the office closes. And also included in that is reconciliation of time of service money. It's better to do that on a daily basis so that it doesn't grow to an unmanageable type of reconciliation. Um, we also have those unpostable records and managing that remittance dashboard. Uh, we want to make sure that things are uploaded to Athena as quickly as possible so that posting can occur. Those hold and manager work lists should be looked at daily because there could be some time sensitive uh, resolutions that need to happen. Uh, so best not to, to cause any delay there. And that's going to really reduce that lag in getting payment from uh, health insurance payers. On a weekly basis, we do recommend taking a look at the financial control center. 
There is a fully worked receivables work list uh, that we recommend on that weekly basis as well, along with overpaid claims and, of course, completing refunds. That's going to be a very important component for ensuring that financial reconciliation at month end is um, easier to do. So in a lot of your answers today, you've been talking about the different courses we have available Um, Are there any tips and tricks or recommendations you have for users who are getting started who would like to dive deeper into some of the topics we've brought up today? Um, I recommend using the success community and our training page. Uh, Within that training page, we have our foundational learning uh, journey, uh, which really incorporates all of those fundamental workflows that we've talked about today in terms of being successful within the revenue cycle. Um, And then anything that you're still curious about, all of our courses courses have keywords within the learning portal. So you can search for any of those workflows or items of of work that that users do. uh, And some of our courses should come up. But that training catalog is really impactful for really finding what you need to, to learn about. Great. Well, thank you so much for all your insight today, Michelle. Really learned a lot and we appreciate your time. Thanks. This has been great. Here's what else you need to know. In case you missed it, new features came to Athena One back in July as part of the summer 2023 release. For more information about those new features, be sure to check out the release centers on the success community where you can see release notes, demo videos, and more. If you go back an episode or two in this feed, you can hear a conversation with Dr. Neela Jessel, our chief medical officer here at Athena Health, about some of the enhancements that are already benefiting clinicians and staff. The next major release of new features will take place in November with the fall 2023 release. Stay tuned to this feed and keep an eye on your email for more information on what to expect. Don't forget to register for Thrive, Athena Health's annual summit, scheduled for October 9th through 11th in Austin, Texas. Thrive is designed to connect you with your peers and help you transform your day-to-day work experience and the future of your business. We can't wait to see you there. Check out the registration page in the episode notes or by visiting the main landing page of the success community. With over 350 partners across 62 capabilities and 60 specialties, the marketplace enables you to curate your Athena Health experience under one platform based on your specific business needs. Over 70% of Athena Health customers use one or more marketplace partner. Go to marketplace.athenahealth.com and filter by specialty or capability to find solutions that support your business, integrating seamlessly and powering the most open, scalable platform in healthcare. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your colleagues to check us out as well. The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can let us know what you think by email at podcast at athenahealth.com, especially if you have any topics you'd like us to cover to better support the way you use Athena One. We at Athena Health are curing complexity to simplify the practice of care, and we'll talk to you again soon.